Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing and get real about women in business. Find us wherever you download podcasts, and of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim, double I, dot com. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Women in Influencer Marketing podcast. My name is Jesse Grossman. I'm your host and I also run this awesome community. If you guys are new here, big welcome. Very excited to have you. And if you are not new here, well, I guess all of you guys are in for a really big treat today. So if you have been listening for the past few weeks of 2023, you may have noticed that we've sort of been mixing it up this year in terms of the podcast, trying to keep it fresh, trying to keep you all entertained on your toes, bringing cool new guests, et cetera, et cetera. And today is no different. Today's episode was actually a live podcast recording that we did in front of an audience. It was so fun and it was part of our New York City experience that happened just a couple weeks ago. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear from our guest Danielle of Mediavine. And then we also can hear from the audience because we had a really fun Q&A at the end and I was like, if y'all want to be part of the podcast, come up with a question. And we got really, really good questions in at the end. But this was part of our New York City experience. I know you guys have heard me talk about it for the last few weeks. And my God, it was so incredible. It was like a magical night having everybody in person in downtown Manhattan. We had a three-hour long event and every hour we had a different experience. So the first hour was members only and it was this live podcast recording, which was so fun. It was kind of a surprise for everybody. We kept it like that intentionally. And then the next hour when everybody else came, all of the guests, we had a taco bar. It was all Valentine's Day themed. So we had cookies and treats, drinks. It was incredible. The food was so good. And then the last hour was professional speed dating, which we've seen photos of on all of our social platforms. If you guys follow us on Instagram, which is at I am Wim, that's W-I-I-M on Instagram. That's the photos that everyone was like blown away by because we had about 80 women show up to this event, men and women, mostly women. <laughs> and the professional speed dating part was everybody paired up and a line of 80 women. <laughs> and then every two to three minutes you would switch so you could get to know the next person and then the next person. And we asked these really like thought-provoking questions like, you know, what was the best part of your childhood? All right, discuss. Or, you know, what's your favorite vacation spot? Discuss. Or favorite social platform? We asked some really, really fun questions. The whole point of it was really just to suck out any insecurities out of the room, <laughs> like get them out of there. I know that with any networking event, people just inevitably feel uncomfortable or like dread networking events, but like we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we go because we know it's important. It's important to meet other people. It's important to just put ourselves out there. So what I was trying to do is just like make everyone as comfortable as humanly possible. And I really think we achieved it. Anyways, today's podcast episode though, you're going to get to enjoy the conversation that I had with Danielle of Mediavine. She was just an incredible person to hear from. I had a lot of people afterwards like, oh, I'm so glad you had her as your guest. She's just so well-spoken and she had really interesting things to say. So I'm excited for you guys to hear from her. 
But Danielle is the director of influencer partnerships and content at Mediavine. Um, she's got a background in creative custom content ideation and influencer marketing strategies. She develops impactful campaigns for brands using the influential voices of their Mediavine publishers. She helps advertisers reach their target consumers in a super authentic way and provides additional revenue streams to their bloggers. I've really enjoyed learning more and more about Mediavine and like their support of influencers and just like the whole landscape. I think it's fascinating what they do and I'm excited for you to learn more. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with Danielle Spiesman-Owens. Thank you guys, first and foremost, for coming. We have the beautiful Danielle Owens from Mediavine, and um, I'm just super excited to have you as my guest. So thank you for joining. First, I think it would be really nice to just like tell everybody a little bit about yourself, like how you even ended up in influencer marketing in the first place. Yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. So I have worked in like digital marketing and sales strategy and selling branded content for quite a while now. I started in this industry working for a pretty well-known female lifestyle site, and we would sell editorial content, right, written by writers. And I remember when that started to shift a little over maybe like 10 years ago, and people started to want to hear from real women just like them. So we started to hire guest writers and doctors and moms and experts. And that's sort of what we called them at the time. And then it turned out that those experts were a lot of them were bloggers. And so with time, we've seen how consumers connect with bloggers and how advertisers have started to put more dollars there. And so with time, it went from selling you know, everyday voices to really focusing on the blogging world. And then after blogging, it became all these social platforms. And so now here I am. I've been at Mediavine for about three years and um, head up their influencer partnerships department. And we can talk a little bit more about what Mediavine does as a whole, but we represent close to 10,000 lifestyle bloggers or publishers or influencers or creators. You'll hear me say names. all the same things as you guys know in this room, but we represent them for all their ad management exclusively. So we make sure that they're site is in good standing, they have good traffic, it's all organic, they're constantly contributing content. And so when someone's a part of Mediavine, they basically have an opportunity to diversify how they make money. And our department brings them other opportunities to work with brands outside of just display ads and that type of thing. I think it's fascinating what you do because I know very little about it transparently. Like it's not the world that I come from. It's not the world that I'm super familiar with. So I'm happy that you explained it and I hope that we're all going to like learn a little bit more about it together. If you guys listen to the podcast, which I hope that you do, shameless plug, Mm -hmm. um, we try to keep it real as much as humanly possible. We can go on and on about how like amazing the industry is and like talk about how fantastic everybody is. But like the realities can be that like we struggle a bit and there are definitely some flaws in the industry. And I think it's just really important that we talk about that as well for the purposes of learning and growing. And like, we're all here to be the forefront of our industry and like, just make it better. So in the spirit of problem solving and like, you know, going in the right direction, where do you think our industry struggles the most? And how do you hope that it improves this year in particular? 
It's a good question. I think our industry, you know, I gave some history, but it's constantly evolving, right? So we all know we have to stay in the know with the trends and make sure that we're you know, always keeping those things top of mind. I think there's two kind of focuses I'd say we struggle with that I really hope to see improve this year. One is I think making sure when you're working with brands, you really are including an inclusive list of voices, a diverse group of voices. I think making sure everyone has equal pay and inclusion. I think those are things that we truly try to focus on whenever we work with a brand, depending on the scope of work and what we're asking people to do. If someone is undervaluing their time as a creator, we often will give them a raise, right? So we really look at creators as entrepreneurs themselves. These are people who are devoting their time to promote something to their following. They've done a great job marketing themselves and building these trusted audiences. And so I think that a lot of times, if we don't have a good representation of all different types of voices, A, brands miss out on true consumers. But I think that that's something that people have to be more mindful of as an industry as a whole. The other thing I would say, it's a good thing, but we're seeing advertisers allocating a lot more budget towards this space, towards influencer, and wanting to try out this tactic. But we find we do a lot of educating, which is not a bad thing, but they are so used to buying traditional media or other marketing tactics that they want. Maybe you guys have heard this, like, what's my ROI going to be, right? How many click-throughs am I going to get? And it's a lot of educating that influencer is really a different space. You know, it's not about a CPM and impressions. Sure, it's how many times you get something in front of people that is an impression in a real way. But maybe it's something that someone has to see, right, multiple times before they decide to go back and purchase something they saw. I mentioned blogging. You know, we do a lot in the social space, but we still really are rooted in bloggers who have created content for a long time. And so they have this ability to create evergreen content that's going to create awareness for a brand over and over and over again. And that's an educational shift for a lot of them when they want to put their dollars here and they want to see that instant ROI. We have to explain that's like an ongoing ROI. So I think that they want to put their dollars in influencer and they want to test this space, but there's definitely a need for really understanding what they're buying, you know, so. Totally. And also like from the blogger's perspective or the creator's perspective, just like creating longevity within their careers and like additional revenue streams and knowing that like one project is going to have legs beyond maybe the initial scope and the initial project because they're still leaning into that evergreen content. And I feel like there's like certain categories in particular that like really thrive in that. Like I just did a panel a couple weeks ago about like the social platforms and I got off the panel and people were like, you didn't talk about Pinterest. And I was like, oh, you're right. So when I think of like evergreen content and bloggers, like Pinterest comes to mind for sure. And like, you know, in the food space and what I look for recipes and stuff. And I'm sure you guys are similar. And I want to always remember those different areas of partnership. Mm -hmm. Um, The ones we don't forget, we're not always just focused on like the one-off Instagram posts, the one-off TikTok and things like that. What ways that we can create long-term audience influencer relationships? Like what are some other things that come to mind for you? I think I kind of touched on this a little, but so a media buying blogger, they have to have a pretty high threshold of monthly traffic to even apply to be a part of media buying. And so these are people that have spent years building that audience relationship. 
And it's like, it's a relationship, right? We follow people, we make that choice, and then we choose to continue following them or unfollowing them if we want to. But we are building this trusting relationship every time they post a new piece of content, every time they write a new blog post, share a new recipe. And so I think it goes just back to like authenticity and making sure that whatever type of partnership you do with a brand, it's so true to your voice and whichever platform it's living on, that it just feels real. It feels like something that you would genuinely want to use. And so I think that if we're talking about sponsorships and working in influencer marketing, trying to get clients to be forward thinking and being okay to commit to multiple touch points, multiple pieces of content, being okay to pivot halfway through, I think is really, really impactful for our industry. If something isn't working, we can change that message, which a lot of other advertising tactics, you can't do that. So I think that's something that helps. Yeah, no, I love that last one. I don't think enough people like even realize that that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. Like they do all the separate work, which of course I understand. And you feel like you have to like, you know, remain on the path. And for so many reasons, it could be more powerful to like have learnings halfway through and, you know, to even plan to pivot, you know, it could be dramatically, but it could also be subtle. And maybe, you know, if you've got an entire, let's say 50 influencers, like start with 25 and like do that partnership, see what you learn and like, you know, get that feedback quickly so that hopefully you can pivot and the latter half of the campaign can be that much better than if you just stayed the path. Totally. And I think having somewhat of a clear objective, which is sometimes hard up front helps, right? So we did a campaign pretty recently during the holidays for a children's toy. And the whole thing was to be driving purchases during that peak time of year. And so we had some social posts that were driving to the sponsored blog content. And halfway through, those bloggers were fine going in and making some changes to the social stuff to make sure we were driving to the retailer instead. So it was still their voice. We still were promoting their content as well. But we saw that we needed to ship something. A simple change made a big, big difference. And the creators were fine doing it too because... They want this partnership to go well. They hope it turns into a longer term relationship and a future opportunity for them also. I can imagine there can be hesitation of like being that person to raise your hand halfway through when all these people are doing a tremendous amount of work and being like, this isn't working. You know, like that takes guts to say that. So I can empathize with that for sure. But also I think maybe what we're trying to get at, right, is like to empower you to like be that person. Because on the flip side of that, if you are the sole person perhaps that raises your hand and then the end of the campaign is like significantly improved because of you're saying what you said, I think that could be a pretty powerful thing. Totally. Yeah. 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 So I want to talk a little bit about trends. It's like hot topic, like especially like in our industry, especially like with the rise of TikTok and short form video and things like that. Just broadly, you could take this wherever you want it. Like, what are your thoughts on trends? Is it worth it to focus on them? Is it a strong long-term strategy? Like, or is it more of a short-term play? What are your thoughts broadly? So given everything I said about us representing bloggers and evergreen content, a lot of people, I saw something recently, I don't know about your LinkedIn, but mine kicked off January where everyone was sharing what the trends of 2023 were for our industry. And I saw someone post, is blogging a trend that's going away? Of course, that triggered me a little bit because it's like what we do. But also I was like, no, it's not a trend. That's just like kind of the bread and butter of where creators started. And so I think it's leveraging both. Of course, we had advertisers that 
they just come to us and like, we want TikTok. They don't know why yet. They don't know how it's going to work or what it's going to look like. But we understand that you need that shiny new object. We need to test the market where the consumers are. I think we all are seeing like TikTok is exploding as a search engine now for people. So I use it to search. Yeah, a lot of people do. And so while we talk about blog content and being impactful for that, now TikTok is too. So leveraging that new trend and then seeing how you can kind of like plug and play the two together, I think makes for the most impactful campaign. You're going to have that social conversation that you've sparked and you're a part of. But if you have something long lasting and evergreen like blog content, if it's done correctly, it could be really impactful. We did a campaign last spring with like a fashion brand and we watch it over time. It was social. It was like an unboxing Instagram reels, but also just like a straight up review that lived on these fashion blogger sites. And my team, we watched the metrics, right, of like page views. And so we saw recently, it was a campaign that ran in the spring, and then we checked it in the fall, and it was ranking on Google for like 500 keywords. And a month later, it had more than doubled the amount of keywords it was ranking for. And that's something that's about spring fashion. But it wasn't only about that. It's because the way that it was written and the keywords that were used help, you know, as people are searching, no matter what time of year, that same piece of content is continuing to perform. So we're able to continue to tell our client, like, wow, look at this thing you bought last year. It's still growing. Do you want to do another campaign this year? Do we want to use some of those same voices? Because that long lasting relationship's going to probably work again. And maybe we pepper a few new ones in there too. So I think it's like staying on top of the trends, but let's not lose sight of what we know works. As experts in this industry, we do know what works. There's always going to be that next shiny object. So I think it's about balance. Yeah, balance. Everything like yeah. about balance, <laughs> right? It's I, a word. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I feel like everyone has a word for 2023. Yeah. I've had a lot of people say balance, balance, yeah. but it's true. It is true, and I appreciate that. You know, trends can certainly equate to like the next shiny thing, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes it's a really shiny thing, and sometimes it's like a dull shine you know so it depends like I don't know I was talking with somebody else on the podcast actually it's not live yet we recorded it a couple days ago and they were talking about trends they were talking about well they said elf I referred to it as ELF I don't know um it was a guy so I think that's why he said elf (laughs) and you know we were talking about ELF on TikTok in particular like I think of them as being like definitely at the forefront of like leaning into like TikToks and being some of the first people on TikTok to have like pretty successful trending content and you know there's something to say for that like being first to something it's more risky being first to anything but of course like with risk comes reward I also love what you're talking about just like about SEO and like that you come from the world of you know website. I don't personally like to even refer to them as blogs, right. but like their websites or landing pages. And I think also there's so many small business owners in this room as well. And I just want to empower you guys to be thinking about that for your own businesses as well. And your own, you know, personal brands in addition to the influencers. I just want to sort of like chime in with yeah. that no, as it's- well. Mediavine, we refer to them as our publishers. So every single influencer is a publisher. They all have a site that they've been contributing content to. And to your point, a lot of these people that are really big, that when you're searching those recipes, if you're Googling, a lot of the ones that are on those first pages, if you scroll down, we'll say Mediavine food, right? So they're the ones that have been doing this and they are ranking and they're doing it time and time again. But a lot of them, they were the first. 
they were the first to buy that one. That was the first, you know, shiny new object. I could have a website and I could write my recipes and have it live on a WordPress site, right? Like that was the new exciting thing. And then they were like, we can put ads on this site and you can make money that way. And that's actually how Mediavine started. Our co-founders were all publishers and creators themselves and decided to take ad management in-house. And in a few short years, they went from five to now almost 10,000. So it's pretty, pretty cool to see. But yeah, they were some of those first people. So yeah, it's true. You can get in at the right time. It can be a little trial and error, but if it works out, it could be great. Absolutely. So whether they're creators, publishers, influencers, whatever word we want to term them, and I think all of them are completely valid in different scenarios and in all scenarios, but I think it's important to just generally talk about how brands and creators can work better together. Because I don't know about you guys. I know there's also some like talent managers in the room. I hear that a lot from you guys. There's some friction points when it comes to the approval process, when it comes to, you know, that ROI at the end of a campaign and like expectations not being aligned or the results not necessarily being aligned. So is there any advice that you can give to the ladies in the room, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, about just broadly how creators and brands can work better together? Yeah, it's definitely a relationship that you have to, you know, handle carefully every time all around. We do a few things to help. So when we're working with a brand, we have a very detailed like questionnaire, but we customize that for every campaign. So if there's TikTok and we need to know, do we have like licensing to use music or every little detail, we get as much of that up front as we can and communicate that to the bloggers or the influencers as much as we can. So it's all captured somewhere. I was going back to when I was saying, you know, if you can establish any goals or objectives with the client up front, that's really helpful because if it's just about general awareness and then we get these different types of storytelling pieces back and they're underwhelmed, well, we didn't really know what you were going after. So just trying to define those with them up front helps. I think like we mentioned, not being afraid to pivot if something doesn't resonate with an audience or didn't, you know, align with the brand's voice. I think COVID was like a really impactful time to recognize this. I had a lot of campaigns that were going to be going live about, right, gatherings and summer graduations and holidays. And all these marketers and advertisers were like, what are we going to do with our budgets? An influencer was one space that they could just change that story really easily. We're going to do holidays at home now instead, right? Or whatever it is. And so I think that that's something that's really unique about what our offering is. So yeah, to answer your question, it's just really trying to define it all around and then making sure it's an equal partnership. So the other thing that we do is when you hear 10,000, that's like a daunting number to some people. We also don't use like a software. We don't just like check boxes and spit out these influencers and this is who you're going to get. We have some really unique ways of doing deep dives into our community and really finding those voices, not only who we think want to work with that brand, but that they want to work with that brand too. And then we go through that list and we look at how are you going to write about this? How are you going to talk about it with your audience? And we share that with our clients up front when we're really narrowing down. And so again, at our business, our creators are our clients. We are trying to help them have sustainable businesses as creators. And so we're not going to just partner them up with anyone. It has to make sense for their audience too. And everyone has to feel warm and fuzzy, right? About like what they're writing and what the brand is spending money on. So... So as you guys know, the social media landscape is constantly changing. And with over 50 million creators out there, relying on traditional agencies or manually discovering and managing talent can be both ineffective and time-consuming. 
drastically reducing the overall impact of your campaigns. To unlock the full potential of your influencer marketing campaigns, you need a smarter and a more effective way to discover all types of creators to accelerate the customer journey. You guys need to know about Maverick. It's the industry's trusted influencer marketing management platform, transforming the way enterprise consumer brands search and partner with the right creators, manage and scale their programs and measure campaign effectiveness and ROI. I want you guys to check them out. Tell them that I sent you. Just head to maverick.co. That's M-A-V-R-C-K.co. They're an awesome company to partner with. Yeah. It's a really interesting perspective that you guys have. Like, that, you know, your client is the, like the blogger, but like essentially you and like I mentioned talent managers, maybe your client is technically one side, but also like you wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for everybody on either side. So being sort of like the middle man or middle woman. um, It is interesting. Yeah. I've worked at other companies where we just please the advertiser, right? So they're like, we need influencers who will stand on their head and make a grilled cheese, right? Like they'll ask these crazy things and we're like, sure, we'll do it. We just want the money. We will find the influencers who will stand on their head and make a grilled cheese. And then I started working at Mediavine and I was like, oh, we're not just going to say yes to the advertiser. Yes, we want that revenue. We want to give it to them. We want to make, everyone wants to make money. We want our creators to make more money. But if it's something that's a no for us, we say no. There's definitely been campaigns that just don't feel right for our voices. And we have to respect that too. The other thing I would say, just the importance of if you're working as a talent manager or we're kind of like an in-house agency, but we handle everything, right? So contracts, making sure that the usage rights are covered, the exclusivity, making sure they're paid on time, making sure those arrangements are like locked down up front because we want to make sure that the client is happy. We want to make sure they want to spend money with us again and with those influencers again, but we want to make sure our creators get paid for that work that they did. And so as a creator, having a manager or company like ours to advocate for them and just make sure everything is done correctly. I know not all influencers can do that or get to that threshold, but certainly something to push them to work towards. I think something that resonated with me in particular, a few things, but one that was about just like there's a lot of power in no. And that's a strong thing to sort of like set that mindset at the beginning of a, you know, I guess we're in February now, but the beginning of a new year in 2023 and like not just saying yes for all the reasons that you can say yes, but there's actually a lot of power and no, there's so many scenarios where, you know, when I used to manage talent, my best clients would really feel comfortable saying no to things and miraculously they would come back with more money or, you know, like a number of different things. It's all a miracle. And to really just having, you know, so whether you're an influencer doing that, or just a business owner or whatever, you know, negotiations we're all doing on a regular basis in our everyday, feeling confident in your value, knowing your value and knowing what your like ideal scenario is and knowing that there is power in saying no. And it's not only okay to do it if anyone here needs permission, it's a really powerful thing to have in your arsenal. Yeah, I agree. I think if you work with influencers individually, it's something to just advocate for them to remind them that they are a business owner, that they are an entrepreneur, that they are doing this to make a living, or most of them are, right? So they need to treat it that way. When they get a partnership that's offered to them, they need to assess it. 
Is it fair? Am I going to be paid correctly? What time of year is it? What does it look like on my editorial calendar? Is that a really busy time of year? Is this going to hurt my traffic or help my traffic? I mean, there's a lot of things to consider versus just the name of the brand or, oh, I'm going to squeeze this in to get another quick check, right? Because that doesn't feel authentic and their audiences are going to feel that too. And then to your earlier question about building those relationships, that's not going to help anybody. So... Let's all be real. There are lots of influencers out there who will say yes to anything and accept a check and like, let's acknowledge those people too. But like, is that the best way to have a sustainable business? I won't answer that question. Somebody else just did. (laughs) One of my last questions, and then we're going to open it up to Q&A if you guys have any questions or like, I don't know, conversations that you guys want to talk about. Because I do want this to be interactive. You know, as much as this is women in influencer marketing, it's women in influencer marketing. And I think that one of my goals this year is to just like talk about ways that we're unique and ways that like it's a pretty powerful thing that it's like a female dominated industry. And like, how do we really embrace that? How do we use it to our advantage? So my question to you now, because I want to make it fun, is what is one of your superpowers as a woman in business? I think our superpower is that we are just women in business. I think being a woman is pretty dang powerful. I think we have the ability to multitask. It's okay to be proud that we're strong women in business because you're right. There's not a lot of industries that we can say that about. I think our ability to be, most of us are good multitaskers. We joke a lot about as women, we have like 50,000 tabs open in our browsers all the time, which I know resonates in a room full of people in my industry, which is nice to say. But like, you know, my husband probably has like one tab open at a time. I can't say that as my own. I heard a comic say that once and she delivered it much better, but it is true. And it actually like, I'm a one and a half year old. And so this last year was like really impactful for me. You know, we're building this part of our company. I have this exciting department and I'm learning how to be a mom at the same time. And so learning how to balance and there we go again, but also just our ability to say, we just got to suck it up and power through and we find the time and we find the way. I think that's just a woman's way. I think we're pretty strong people. <laughs> we are. We are. I'm looking at lots of strong people in the room today. So okay. just celebrating all of you guys. So I'm going to turn it to you guys. Does anyone have a question or a comment? We have a couple. So we'll go to Desiree and then Stacy. How do you advise those of us who are influencers or those of us that are trying to contact brands, how do we deal with ghosting culture? Mm-hmm. I feel like right now, because there are so many influencers or so many people trying to reach the people that have the influencer, it's a lot of unanswered emails and LinkedIn messages and being ignored, even when we're doing all the things like personalization and trying to connect them with where they are and so that. So how do we deal with ghosting and to ultimately get what we want? It's a good question. I mean, I would be lying if I said I don't feel that too. I think at any level, I've been feeling a bit of this uncertainty, right, going on. There's recession, there's been pandemics, and I think that advertisers are weary of where to spend their ad dollars sometimes, or they're not sure. We've had a few that are going down one, you know, creative initiative, and then they decide to hold back. And so sometimes it truly has nothing to do with ghosting you, the creator, or whoever it is. They're just in their own, like, space of unknown with those marketing dollars. So I do think that's a big thing we're all feeling right now. I think finding those unique ways to stand out is tricky. It's tricky. I think moments like this are exciting for me because we're in a room together. And I think some of this stuff is starting to happen again. When you can connect in person, it's like 
we've all been just struggling behind our computer trying to like network via LinkedIn and we can only make so much noise. But one thing that we really try to do is think about who you're reaching out to, spend a little time, look at their social, look at what kind of content they talk about. If you're a creator or you're advising one, I think it's also important to just look at the type of content that the brand puts out. What's their voice? How consistently are they doing it? You know, we've worked with nonprofits. We work with CPG brands. Like, it doesn't matter. It has to feel authentic. It has to feel good. And if you see something that really connects with you and there's a way to connect those dots, then try. So, like, for example, let's just say it's um like a chocolate brand and we have an influencer that ranks for all these chocolate recipes or had like a TikTok that went viral, we can say all day, we've got 10,000 bloggers and we have, you know, this many that do food. But if we're able to say, but like, look at this one, they use your ingredient all the time and it's already doing so well organically, it might pique their interest. So that's just an idea. But I think we're all feeling that a little bit. So don't feel alone. <laughs> I would also say like, I don't know, we were talking earlier about like power of no. And I almost feel like there's power in just saying like, that's not my person. Like, that's not the person who's going to help me. And like, they're doing their own thing. They're in their own world or they're, you know, just not helpful. So forget them. I need to find another person, like a better person. You know, I'm guilty of like being hella stubborn. I don't know if that's like the Capricorn in me, but like, you know, I'm like, well, this is the person. So like, I need to reach them. I need to figure it out. I need to problem solve. Like, I think of like that as a trait that a lot of us women probably have as well. But I think it's important to sort of like pause and like look at the bigger picture and take a breath. I'm just speaking for myself personally and saying like, is this the right path? Like, is this the right person? Am I just being stubborn? Or is there just a better way broadly? Uh, it's just what I've experienced. So maybe there's just like a better person to connect yeah. with, a better company to work with, things like that. So Erica Nitz, Rogers and Town PMK, and I am guilty of the ghost, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm on the buyer side of talent and influencers. And from our side, we're just doing fishing, right? So if I'm reaching out, I've got like a hundred names I'm going through, checking, you know, are you available? Are you interested? Then I'm going back to the brand. Who do they pick? And so I could spend my whole day replying to 75 people, but I still have like a million other campaigns. So I always tell the agents, assume it's a no, unless it's a yes. And then one of the other things that happens is the brands that you love post about them. You know, it's free publicity for them, but they see you. They have their social media teams. Right now we had a CPG brand that's like, can you find this person's agent? Because, you know, we want to send them free goods. And that's how the relationship starts. So apologies for ghosting. <laughs> My name is Erica and sometimes I ghost you. <laughs> I may have ghosted you in the past, but you know, it's valid. And look, I think one thing that's interesting is that, you know, a lot of us are also guilty perhaps of just trying to scale influencer marketing. And some people might vehemently disagree with me. So controversial topic, that's fine. I don't think influencer marketing is scalable at all, personally, because it's a relationship business. And I don't think if you're really, truly cultivating relationships, I don't think that's a scalable thing. I think you can be efficient. I think you can like be smart about the way that you work, but I don't think it's scalable. And I think that if oh, so many companies, if you really drill down to how they operate as a business, everyone's looking to make money. I'm looking to make money too. But so many of them go the route of I'm looking to make money by scaling this. And I just, again, 
is there a better way? Because personally, I don't think influencer marketing is scalable. So next question belongs to Stacey. What's your question? For Danielle. Nice talking to you before. Yes. I'm listening to you. <laughs> a lot of what you said resonates. I'm a talent manager for food creators. Just a handful of them that are exactly Mediavine's client, and some of them are Mediavine right. clients. What really resonated, I had a conversation last night with a food creator who said to me, I'm so sick of brands like wanting just TikTok. I've got a million views a month. I've been doing this forever. I'm in the food industry. She's been on TV, real woman of substance. And a recipe I did six years ago for Thanksgiving is still bringing in like thousands mm -hmm. and thousands of views. So I applaud you as a company for trying to educate brands on that. And I think brands do understand that, but I'm just curious, who are you talking to and how are those efforts going? Yeah. So one thing that's definitely really unique to the blogging side and that content side was like this fear of the third-party cookies going away that we've heard for a couple of years now, right? And so I know for us, when everyone who comes to us, if you want influencer, even if they have an Instagram-only RFP and that's all that they want, that's fine. We can do it. But we always touch on who our influencers are. And at Mediavine, to even apply, you have to have 50,000 monthly uniques, right? So these people are bloggers. This is their, or publishers and their writers. And you're absolutely right. A lot of them don't even have to create new recipes anymore because that same piece is creating enough revenue for them time and time again. So when I go back to that first question you asked me, a lot of it's educating. So they may come to us. We can say for Instagram only, this is what you get. This is who you get. But would you consider including a couple pieces of evergreen content? So it is just more of an educational play. We have a lot of those bloggers that have been doing this a long time. And like, it has to be worthwhile for them too. And not devaluing the fact that maybe they don't need to write a brand new recipe because it's not going to be good for their business or their time. So it goes back to saying no and also making sure that they don't devalue it. So if it's someone like that that's really established, make sure that they're charging what they should. And if the brand says no, then that's a no. You know, even this year, we know every study is saying that brands are putting I think it's like 20% more budget into influencer. So if we know that, I'm not going to go to market and when they say they don't really have that money, I'm going to say, okay, come back when you do, you know, or let's talk about your billing cycle, right? Do you have X amount of budget now that we do one round of content, but I have a commitment from you. We're going to do a second round of content because we know long lasting relationships work because we know if that person's audience sees the same product being mentioned more than once, you know, it's going to move the needle more. And some of those really established bloggers, um, I went to a retreat recently with some of them and we were talking about them. And when you hit that level, when you have recipes that are ranking and you only really like to use certain ingredients, it's also really important to understand like who is it that they would want to work with or maybe do more of like a brand ambassadorship with, if you think of it that way, instead of just a one-off campaign, then even those more established creators get excited because they're like, oh, I use that flower all the time, right? And so they'd be more inclined to do it. And it goes back to what you were saying, post about the stuff you're using anyway, but then some of those bigger guys can get some of those bigger budgets too. I think it goes back to that shiny object, right? Like some people are like, I just want a reel. I've heard video performs. And so sometimes we have to start there. Sometimes that's a test. 
But again, like we've had to do a lot of educating and say, you want to test with influencer, but you only have $10,000. You're not going to make that much noise. You're not going to get that much reach. And is this a true test on if this marketing tactic works for you? It's not, you know? So I think it's saying no, but it's being fair. It's explaining it because even for you and if your creator's content flops and they don't want to buy again, it's not going to be a win all around. So I agree. I think that you're certainly onto something. I think that a lot of what we've been discussing this past like 30, 45 minutes is a lot about expectation setting and communication. And we're all talking about like just doing more business broadly, like it's building relationships. And so how do you do that? You like treat the other person as if they're a human and you are like straightforward with them. If you're like, look, I would love to do a long-term ambassadorship with you. Like my client, like they need more proof that this can work. I believe in this relationship. Let's prove it to them together. But like, this is a test. Like just saying things like that. Like, I don't know who's trying to keep things from whom and why, but like I have found that just being communicative and like just transparent goes a really long way. I can say when I was on the receiving end of that as a talent manager, I would take my defenses down. My defenses would totally come down and be like, oh. So if you're looking for a tactic to get the other side to get their defenses down a little bit, just be transparent with them. You'll be really, really pleasantly surprised, I think, what you get in return. They just forget that creators are writers, photographers, videographers, social media managers, marketers. Like, they're all these things. And so it's our jobs as managers or, you know, however you're representing them to remind those brands, you're not buying a 300 by 250 graphic that we're going to push out across the internet. You're buying someone's time, someone's voice, someone's trusted following that they built on their own. So let's leverage their expertise as marketing themselves for your brands. I love that so much. I think that's like a really great way to even end this conversation. Like again, intention setting for 2023. We are like a really powerful group of people in this room who are giving a lot of opportunities to a lot of people. We have purse strings to open up a lot of opportunities and doors for people and persuade a lot of people. You have a lot of power in your hands in this room. And I just want to remind all of us to, I think just like broadly be really open-minded with who you're casting. I think like, you know, we talked about diversity and inclusion in the beginning of the conversation. And I think also just, you know, experimentation is a big takeaway that I personally took away from this conversation. And I think that just knowing the power that you have, use it wisely. If you enjoyed this episode, we got to have you back. Check out our website for more ways to get involved, including all the information you need about joining our collective. You can check out all the information at IamWim.com. Leave us a review, a rating, but the most important thing that we can ask you to do is to share this podcast. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Tune in next week.